All right. Well, thanks for joining me today. I'm Elena. I'm from Storymakers, and uh, we are partners in ministry with Mockingbird Ministries. And I was on the board of Mockingbird for six years. And in 2018, I went to Dave and I said, we've got all this great content for grown-ups. Um, I think grown-ups are having kids. And I think we have a lot of clergy who are and pastors who are pastoring churches. And it would be great to equip folks with gospel content for kids. And I'm based in New York City, and I had run a camp called Creative Arts Camp. And we had a great experience of um, using art and storytelling to capture kids and retell the stories of the Bible and really get to the redemptive narrative. And so we wanted to be able to make that practical and to get that tool into folks' hands. And so Dave said, go for it. Uh, raise your own money and do whatever you want. You got the money, you can do whatever you want. So we partnered up with Mockingbird in 2018. And so we're still, I feel like, in infancy, but we have been making some really fun things so that we can illuminate kids with the stories of the Bible. And the reason why we're called Storymakers is because we see ourselves as being part of God's story, and God is the ultimate storymaker, and we want our kids to know that they're storymakers too, and they're grafted into God's story. So that's just a little bit of intro of Storymakers and who I am. So we're gonna get started though. We're gonna talk about the utopia of childhood. We're gonna talk about homesickness, and then where do we go from here? So I would say we are living in the loss of utopia. Ever since Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden on their, because of what they did, um, we have been living in this state of homesickness and we have been living in this place of desiring to find our way back to the garden. And so we live in this state of a loss of utopia. And I'm gonna talk about how that applies to childhood and homesickness, like I said. So one verse I want you to hold with you as we get started, just to keep in your minds. He is the vine and we are the branches. So he is the vine and we are the branches. The other thing I want you guys to hold on to is this quote. Home is not where you were born. Home is the place that we, our attempts to escape cease. So we're talking about home, we're talking about being grafted, and we're talking about utopias today. I'm gonna move my live stream folks over here so they're not stuck. And we can pull up the second slide, that'd be great. Okay. So we've all been sort of processing throughout this conference about the pandemic because it has been our whole experience, and we can all relate to this idea, oh, you can go to the second slide, um, of escape, right? So if you ever had wondered, why do people fantasize of escaping or building utopias? In this last year, I think we can all relate to it. And I'm based in New York City, so it felt very, lots of people escaped. Lots of our friends left the city. Um, lots of people moved. They just, they had to get out of there. Um, you know, it was like no amount of bread making or TikToks with your mom or dance routines that you made for those first six weeks 
could sort of placate the desire and anxiety that we all were experiencing and we needed to feel, we felt like we needed to get out of. And I would argue that we've always sort of had this like baseline feeling and desire of escapism. That goes back to this idea of being out of the garden. Um, and I think it specifically can apply and be projected into childhood, right? So you think about Disneyland and all the folks that go there, lots of grown-ups are there, right? So we're trying to escape constantly. And that was well before the pandemic even began. Um, we are always trying to create these spaces where we protect our children pre-pandemic. Um, you know, oh, I subscribe my kids to the Kids Atlantic. Oh, I homeschool my kids. There are specific ways that we try to create these little spheres, these little bubbles to keep our children from being immersed in the brokenness of the world. It's only natural we want to do that. You know, we want to keep them safe. We want them to know that it could be better. And so that was already happening well before pandemic happened, right? So then here we go, we have the pandemic. Let me get the next slide. So, you know, we entered into the pandemic and all of those constructs that we had created to kind of protect our kids. I mean, Disneyland shut down. I have never heard of Disneyland shutting down, right? So every kind of place that we sort of hid into, we escaped to, was eliminated. And, you know, in those first six weeks, I mean, I'm coming from my own experience of having been in New York. Um, you know, those first six weeks, it was like, okay, we're gonna do smoothies, we're gonna make fun pancakes, we're gonna do all this stuff, right? So we're like, we're gonna ride out this pandemic. They said it's over at Easter. We can get to Easter. Um, that didn't happen. And then by the time Easter got in, into the motion of things, we were comfortable. We're like, okay, we've kind of figured this out. We can, we can do this thing. We're Zooming at home. It's, it's okay. Well, then the end of May happened, and then there was an eruption of, um, you know, protests. New York became extremely loud. So whatever world that I had constructed for my kids in to try to protect them from, there was no, there was no, the veneer was gone, right? So it, it was loud, you know, firecrackers were going out through June and July. There was no place to hide, you know, we had to kind of come to grips with it. We couldn't protect our kids and bubble them into these utopian um, uh, childhood experiences. It was done. Well, in the next slide, thank you. Last summer, my husband and I escaped finally from the loudness of the city, and we went upstate to the Catskills. Um, I don't know if you've seen Mrs. Maisel, but that's sort of the idea. We go there every summer. It's really lovely. Um, and it was the first place we could kind of take off our masks and relax a little bit. Well, on all good vacations, we sort of immerse ourselves into some fun podcasts or whatever, and so we discovered this podcast uh, nice try. It is on brand with Mockingbird. I don't know, they're, they're aligned. So if you have never heard of Nice Try, you're gonna dip into that. It is a great podcast, six episodes, and it's all about failed utopias. I, Jake and I were all in on it, um, but we were specifically in on it because they have a whole episode on the biosphere. Now, I'm a kid from the 90s. I don't know if any of you remember the biosphere, but I, uh, I'm from Arizona originally, 
and my my uncle worked the grounds at the biosphere. So I was probably 11 or 12, and we would go there, and I was like, this is amazing, science at work. Um, you know, it's like, this is, you know, this is incredible. So that was my childhood perspective of the whole experiment. Well, you listen to Nice Try. It is so informative. What I found out was, these are a group of people, well-funded, from a Texan, Ed Bass. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he had like more money than God, apparently. And he hooked up with this group of, um, I guess these guys were from Boston, really, like a group of hippies from Boston. They knew, moved to New Mexico, make some friends with some rich friends who have a rich ranch. And Ed Bass meets them, and he's like, you guys are great. And they were like, we are actors, and we are recreating all sorts of you know, new life. And so they, they created a boat. They did all of these crazy things. And then they were like, let's we could make Biosphere 2, a new Earth, uh, with Ed Bass's funding and a lot of imagination and ambition and desire for escape, they went for it. Um, you can still go to the Biosphere now. But you know, all that to say is that they were not living in a pandemic. These are wealthy uh, white folks from the, from the East, and they are in desire of escape themselves. So this whole idea of escape, utopianism, is nothing new, and it doesn't require a pandemic. So we you know we talked back in front of the beginning of the talk about Adam and Eve, right? So nothing is new under the sun. We can go to the next slide. Um, Sorry, I can't even see. Um, so from a micro and a macro level, we're always trying to escape. We're always trying to redeem ourselves and our own situations. We're always trying to recreate the Tower of Babel. We're always trying to get back to Eden. The group from the biosphere were called the Synergists. That's a really good name. They were called the Synergists, and they were trying to recreate this new biosphere. Um, you know, in the 80s, there was that great song, I Believe the Children Are the Future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. And so what I am seeing in this moment of pandemic, and I saw before, um, we be we're beginning to see how this idea of utopia and escapism ends up being projected onto our kids. Uh, we don't mean to do that, but this idea that the children are the future, they're a fresh start, um, is so tempting for us to lean deeply into. And I would say especially as we have come to recognize like racism in this last year, we had the, all the political strife, People are fighting all the time on social media and Facebook. We need a new, we need a, a piece of clay. We need something to work on. We need somewhere to work out the kinks, right? So kids become the subject of that, which is not good. Um, and so what you're seeing, like you can go to any Barnes and Noble and look at a kid's table and you can see all the ways in which grown-ups are projecting onto children to fix the problems that we have right now. We don't believe that they're gonna have their own problems. We hope that they fix our problems and eliminate our anxieties right now. We don't realize that we're actually doing that. They're gonna have their own problems, 100% guaranteed. Um, and so we do that with the church. And I see that in the church, right? So you look at curriculums from the far left, from the far right, every direction. 
they are we are projecting as adults onto those kids as new forms of clay to become our new utopia. Make that new earth. You guys become the new biosphere that actually functions. And it all out relates to our own anxiety and our own inability to fix the problems that we have. So the reality is we can't rebuild Babel, right? So going back to the biosphere guys, or the whole team, they were so sweet and very well intended, but also very human. And despite the fact that they had more money than God, they just couldn't really get it together. And their best intentions actually left, led them to their demise. So the first thing that started to happen was they overconsumed carotene because they could only really grow. They were not, they were actors. They were not farmers. They were not horticulture people. So they could really only grow sweet potatoes and carrots. They started turning orange. The other, I mean, the other thing, they, somebody got a cut and it created an infection. It was the tiniest cut. And in their own controlled world, created a lot of havoc for them. One scientist said, he said it felt like, or I don't know if he was a real scientist, but he felt like you would toss a boomerang out. You would do anything, and it would come right back at you. So if one person did coughed on one side of the biosphere, it affected the entire environment. It was so tiny and bubbled in um, that anything that they did created ripple effects. It sounds a lot like Adam and Eve. It sounds a lot like sin. It sounds a lot like real life. The last thing that they did was they overgrew organic matter. And I think that's kind of what we're sort of seeing with kids. That's kind of what I'm arguing, is that we are dumping a lot of good stuff at kids, um, but we're human and we're not giving them the stories. And so instead we are over, we're just giving them too much of what is good and it's actually killing them, right? So they grew too much organic matter, so they started poisoning themselves. There were too many gases in the space, and they had to open the door so that oxygen can be let in. And I would say that's what we need to do for our kids. We need to give them breathing space. We need to give them oxygen. Going back to this, their quote from the very beginning, home is not where you were born, home is where you cease to escape. Home is not where you were born, home is where you cease to escape. I think the reality is, as grown-ups, is that we are attempting to overproduce organic matter to solve problems because ultimately we forget who we are grafted to and that we are already home. It's hard to feel that in this life and there are pockets and moments in which we do feel really at home, but ultimately I think a lot of our issues with, and how we deal and approach kids has to do with the fact that we as grown-ups do not remember that we are already home. We are already grafted. So this longing and anxiety and homesickness 
causes us to do things and act in ways that are not maybe helpful and maybe cause poisonous gas. So I think when we think about kids and how we're approaching them and we think about like what curriculum we're gonna be doing or what books we're buying for our kids, it's like, what is our intention? Like, why am I buying a magazine, which I do, I subscribe to this magazine because I love the content and it's really beautiful, but it's called Honest History. And that in and of itself is a projection. That says there's a dishonest history, but this is the honest history. I totally get what they're, you know, where they're they're coming from. Um, I like I, I I know what you what you're hoping to achieve. You want to give kids good stuff, right? Um, but that title in of itself is a projection. Honest history, instead of just saying like, this is the story. You know, we are so anxious as adults and um, content creators and curriculum creators and you know anybody who works with kids and around kids, we are so anxious that we are projecting and trying to control the narrative. You see, home is where you were born and home is the place that you cease to try to escape from. Like I said before, our human problem is that we forget who we're grafted to. We forget that we're already home. And when you look at the stats and what happened to kid, people who grew up in the 90s with, um, people who grew up in the 90s who just don't go to church anymore, right? So it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of looking around and digging around to see that um, controlled cultural narratives um, does not really work and it doesn't draw kids into the God's big story. So what do I suggest that we give? We need to give the gospel first and we need to give oxygen and we need to get them connected to God's story because God's story can handle all of these things, right? We need to let them know that they will always be building towers just like Babel. We're no different. Um, we will scheme like Jacob but God is there and he's ready to embrace us just like Esau embraced Jacob. And no matter where life leads us, we will be set free just like the Hebrews. I think that what happens with grown-ups is that we don't trust the stories. And we forget that those stories worked on us, you know? We forget that that's how we ended up in faith through the story. Um, I don't know what happens in between, but when you get to kids, it's like, well, I don't know, is this enough? Maybe we need to tell them how to live. Maybe we need to give them straight directives. Maybe we don't really trust the Holy Spirit is going to lead and guide them into righteousness, or we don't trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work in them so that they will love their neighbor and think about their neighbor before themselves. There's something funny that happens with adults and how we deal with kids and not trusting them and trusting that God will work in them in the same way. I was at a Mockingbird conference a couple years ago and one parent asked and she said, how can we make sure our kids get the stories and so that they become Christians? Um, 
And I thought, that's a really good question. And I actually think that's what's in the heart of most folks. And that's, that's really in the heart of a lot of Christian ed directors. Like, how can we make sure that we give them the right content so that they will become Christians, i.e. everything will be okay, everything will be safe? And all I could think was, well, they worked for us, right? We heard the story somewhere. Someone shared that story with us, and we have faith. Why not for our kids, you know? It's like, why me? Definitely Sophia, definitely Henry. They are way better people than me. So if that's true for me, why wouldn't it be true for them? And I think that's how we need to begin to see and trust the story and remember our own situations and who we are grafted to. We are already home. So we have to remember that and we have to share that with our kids. Um, as our anxiety comes up and as we begin to see ourselves creating our own utopias for our kids and starting things new. So the utopia of childhood is sure to fail, so give it up, just give it up now, and trust that the new kingdom and earth is near and it's for your kids too. There, it's for your kids in your parish, it's for your kids at home, it's for your kids everywhere. We, and we don't need to project onto them to save us. You know, I think that we like to get busy when we feel very anxious and we want to start over again. It's like, oh, there are protests outside. Like, what can I do to fix that? Like, how can I change this now? It's like, well, that's a problem that has been coming for a long, long time. Me doing something in this exact moment beyond prayer is probably an anxious reaction and maybe not long-term. And what kids need and grown-ups, I would say, especially all of us education directors and pastors and anybody dealing with kids, is that we need the oxygen first. Like, I loved Larry's talk this morning. It was so life-giving. And it's like, we need to hear the stories for ourselves first. We need to receive that truth first so that we can give it and not giving it in anxiety. So we need the alternative uh, utopia. I don't know if you guys listen to SOS, but that is a podcast that my husband does with Aaron Zimmerman. I, it's really fun and really good. And they're always sort of illuminating words and uh, biblical texts that I would never think of on my own. But Jake's always talking about Ebenezer's and markers. And that's how the stories of the Bible function. So what kids need are these stories. They need Ebenezer's, they need markers to remind them that they're grafted and that they are already home. So what I'd like us to do as we close today, I think we could do just a little bit of prayer and a little bit of confession and pray together. And then I'm gonna open it up for Q&A. How's that? Okay, great. Dear Jesus, Thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for grafting us and making us home. Please forgive us when we turn our kids into mini biospheres. And please forgive us when we project onto them our own personal anxieties. Have mercy on us and be quick to forgive us and assure us of our own steady place in your home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.